welcome to the Take Your Apprenticeship podcast. The Take Your Place team is made up of five universities and nine further education colleges from across the east of England. We are an impartial project dedicated to giving you the information you need, regardless of where you're applying to study. Since 2017, we have worked with over 30,000 students from 100 different schools, colleges and sixth forms, helping them to explore their options and discover their potential. Now we hope to help you too. In this podcast series, we will explore all aspects of finding, applying for and succeeding in an apprenticeship. Through talking to experts and current apprentices from a variety of industries, we will help you explore your future apprenticeship options. Hello there. My name is Kit Rackley and my pronouns are they, them, and I am a Nico Higher Education Champion for Take Your Place. Today we continue our series on the green sector and I talk to two apprentices who work for EDF Energy in the nuclear energy sector. We talk about how they first became interested in apprenticeships, what their route was from high school, the type of work experiences that they got before applying for their apprenticeship, what a typical week is like and what kind of support that they got, some highlights of their apprenticeship and why, in light of the recent IPCC climate report, do they think apprenticeships like theirs are important. Let's have a listen. Hello everyone and I am delighted to be joined by two wonderful young apprentices, Cerise and Poppy. Hello. Morning. Morning, thank you for having us. So if you two would like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about the role that you do. Okay, um, so hello, I'm Poppy. Um, I'm 21 and I'm just about to start my fourth year of the Nuclear Engineering Degree Apprenticeship with EDF Energy. Um, and I work at the Sizal B Power Station in Suffolk, which is next door to where Sizal C is going to be built. Uh, so my name's Therese, I'm also 21, and I am uh, do a degree apprenticeship with EDF Energy as well, but mine's the uh, commercial apprenticeship. So I study quantity surveying and commercial management at the University of the West of England, but I'm on the uh, Hinkley Point C uh, plant which is in Somerset and it's going to be uh, a replica station for uh, Sizewell. That's fantastic so already in just the first few minutes we've already established that there are different roles and different jobs that you can do in this one sector so that's brilliant to hear. So let's start by asking why an apprenticeship why did you decide that an apprenticeship was right for you I mean Cerise let's start with you I mean did you plan on doing an apprenticeship or did you fall into it how did you come about doing an apprenticeship I mean to be fair I knew that I didn't want to just go to university like straight there was nothing I was like that caught my eye like yeah I want to do I don't know like a psychology degree or something like that I was like I was a bit unsure so I just kind of looked for different ways that I could get into uni and work and yeah, an apprenticeship was the kind of the best, the best option really. And I think even though I'm only two years in, it's definitely, uh, I'm definitely glad that I chose this route. So uh, yeah, that that was that was it really. Nice. And what about you, Poppy? Yeah. So similar to Cerise, um, I didn't really fancy the idea of going to university and spending all my money. Um, and then it was actually, um, I did a week at work experience at Sizewell, which I guess we'll talk about later. Um, and it was mentioned to me that degree apprenticeships are a thing. Um, and so then I started looking at those and here we are. And the word is in the title of your apprenticeship, isn't it? Degree. You're both doing degree level studies. Yeah. 
And that's an important point that you've made. You can get a degree without going to university. And what's also like incredible to me is like, you know, nuclear engineer, that's like up there with quote unquote rocket scientist or brain surgeon, <laughs> isn't it? It's like, well, you've got to go to university to do those things, don't you? But no, actually you can um, go ahead and do that through an apprenticeship. And we're dispelling those myths that apprenticeships are soft options, aren't we? So Cerise and Poppy will tell you that they are most definitely <laughs> not soft options. So Poppy, you already alluded to this and that's uh, work experience yep. uh, then. So did you do that in year 10? Um, no. So I had the opportunity um, to do two lots of work experience. Um, so in year 10, I actually went to Cambridge University um, to have a week in their biochemistry department. I did really enjoy myself, but it was one of those things where you come out of it and think, actually, that's not what I want to do. Um, and, you know, that's actually OK. You don't have to enjoy everything you try, even if you think you're going to enjoy it. And you shouldn't pretend either because you could get stuck in there for the rest of your life and be doing something you don't want to do. Uh, so it was year 12 that I did my work experience at Sizeable B. Um, and I guess actually, sounds very cliche, that week kind of changed my life because the apprentice coordinator said to me, oh, there's this thing called a degree apprenticeship. Um, I think you should apply. And I didn't, I didn't even know that degree apprenticeships were a thing. Um, so once you do a lot of research about them, they're actually pretty amazing yeah that's some really important advice there and uh, you know work experience can be used to figure out what you don't want to do mm -hmm. as well as what you do want to do Definitely. um with regards to what you learned at school did you do a levels yeah so straight from gcse's i stayed at the same school it had a sixth form attached to it and i did my a levels in physics chemistry and maths so Cerise, did you do work experience as well? And was it related or not related to what you do now? Yeah, no, so I, I did work experience as well. My work experience placements were very different <laughs> to where I am now. Um, so I did, I've done a couple. So obviously we had some when we had to, when we was in like secondary school and sixth form that you had to uh, had to do. But I've uh, I've done a placement with Guy's Hospital in London for a week. I did a placement with Kent Police for a week. And then I also did one with my, um, this was kind of when I knew a bit more about what I wanted to do, but I did one with my local council as well. Um, so they're all very different. Like when you just think, oh, she did it at a hospital, oh, she possibly wanted to do medicine or something like, yeah, my, my mind changed. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I definitely, like I was talking to a few people, you definitely realize that even though they're all like, very different, they're all still large organizations. So you still get to see how they work, even though it's not like what I'm in now. And was A-levels the path for you too? Um, yeah, so I did A-levels. So I did maths, chemistry and psychology um, A-levels um, at a school in Kent, um, where I'm originally from. And then I went through the whole process of like applying for apprenticeships, but I didn't get my first choice. Um, so that was a bit like all spanner in the works. So I did took a year and I did a business diploma as well. So that kind of narrowed it down a bit more. And then I just went through the process again of applying for apprenticeships. Um, so I thought there's no point wasting that year doing nothing. So broadened the qualifications and then, yeah, applied again and here I am. 
That's a really interesting uh, perspective. And one thing I realized when I took this rollover is how competitive apprenticeships are, especially degree apprenticeships. And of course, on top of that, you're effectively entering the job market. So it's a massively competitive process. And of course, there's going to be uh, probably more times than not, then you might not be successful in, in getting an interview or getting the job, getting the apprenticeship. So question then for you, Cerise, while we're on that topic of discussion is um, how did you deal with that? How did you not give up? What advice would you give to uh, young people right now who are experiencing uh, who are experiencing the challenges of trying to find that that place in an apprenticeship? Um, I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's going to be as cliche as it might sound, but it's just honestly, it's the truth. I just don't give up on it because you got there the first time around. So you've obviously, you're obviously capable of doing it. Um, and it was just this, this one opportunity didn't work out. But that doesn't mean that there aren't loads more that if you just continue to push yourself that you're not going to get. Um, because there's, there's there's nothing really stopping you from applying to loads. And you never know, you might just get two at the end, but at least you've got those two and you can make the decision on what you want to do. So yeah, just don't don't give up, keep pushing. Um, yeah, I mean, I know that's cliche, everyone probably says it to you, your teachers say it to you, but, it's, but it's, it is the truth though. It is, it is uh, ultimately, it is you that's applying and yeah, you just got to do what's best for you at the end of the day. Yeah, that's fantastic advice, Cerise. And I used to say as a high school teacher, you know, look, if, if one door closes, then there's another one open somewhere. You know, it might just be round the corner or, or down the corridor. You just got to keep going, keep walking until you find it. No, definitely. So you both have different circumstances. So Cerise, you were originally from Kent and now you've uh, moved to Bristol to do your apprenticeship at uh, Hinker Point C. But um, Poppy, you stayed here in Suffolk to do your apprenticeship with Sizewell B. So, so Poppy, let's start with you then. So staying local, was that um, what you wanted? Was that you intended? Did you want to stay local or did it just happen that way that you ended up doing an apprenticeship close to home? For me, it wasn't really um, a planned thing to stay at home. Um, so when I applied for my degree in apprenticeships, I applied for loads all over the country. Um, and it just so happens that I chose this one because it was at home um, when I got my offers through. Saying that though, I did have to go away for a year um, and I still have to go part-time to Somerset to study. Um, and I did find that really, really difficult and I definitely do prefer staying at home. And was that the same for you, Cerise? Was um, ideally you would want to have stayed close to home in Kent or actually was going away to Bristol or somewhere else actually part of the plan? Was it something that was a draw for you? I mean, to be fair, similar to Poppy. So when I was applying, I kind of applied all over. Um, so like, like, for example, I would apply to ones in London so I could just commute. Um, but then applying to Bristol, I mean, to be fair, looking back on it, I definitely don't regret applying for ones that um, weren't at home because I have enjoyed living in Bristol and moving away. Um, but don't get me wrong, initially it was scary. I'm like, oh no, I'm moving by myself. Like, what do I do? Because um, it's my first time like moving out as well. But once you kind of get into a routine, you get into the swing of things, it's honestly, I wouldn't, I don't think I would change anything. I quite, I enjoy being in Bristol. So Poppy, you said you had been to Bristol then. So have you, have you met Cerise or? No, we haven't. Oh. Cerise and I actually only met a few weeks ago via Teams. So. But I suppose when you went to Somerset to kind of do your training aspects, then you got to meet uh, other apprentices from all around the country. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, EDF have more than one station um, from Kent to Scotland. 
Um, and so it was very nice to meet people from different places and you have that kind of connection between people as well at different stations. So that's really nice. So Cerise, with regards to moving away from home and getting accommodation, I know most apprenticeships, you know, don't support things like that. You know, some may give grants, some may give accommodation if you're lucky. Um, what was your situation when you had to move away to Bristol? I mean, was there any support with regards to accommodation or was it a case of, well, you know, you, you've got a job, we're paying you, you need to find somewhere to rent? Yeah, I mean, obviously I wasn't the only one that moved away. So the, especially from like my cohort, there were... Um, um, probably about half of us, maybe less than half, that ended up moving um, to be closer. But uh, so obviously the question got raised about, oh, because obviously we're all new to Bristol. Like, oh, well, what do we do? So um, they did um, kind of put together like a little Q and A session with um, other apprentices that have moved to the area of like kind of best areas to move to, what to look out for. Like, if this was all before we started, um, kind of the summer leading up to it. So they kind of they put support up in in that aspect, and there's also like the campuses that we can stay at if if that was needed. Okay. But for the most part, it was kind of talking to apprentices that have moved to Bristol as well, because um, obviously they've been there, they've done that, they know what they're doing. Um, so talking to them, it was a bit more. You kind of put your ease because like, oh no, it's fine. Like even if you lived here, you'd, like the office is only here because when you're moving you're like okay i need to plan everything to the detail i need to be as close to the office as possible this that and whatever but they were like just they put you at ease if they answered all the questions and stuff and then yeah i mean i think that's the good thing about having older apprentices in the same kind of um scheme as you you can just talk to them and ask them whatever questions it's going to be but uh but yeah then it was just a case of going and kind of looking at houses finding somewhere to stay Okay, that's interesting. That's actually something that's similar between a degree apprenticeship and, say, second and third year plus university students. You know, they have to um, go and find accommodation themselves after they may have been guaranteed accommodation for their first year. Um, and then they have to go and see if they can find private rented accommodation or something, usually share with uh, mates on their course or, or other people. So I, I guess it sounds like a similar process. Yeah, pretty much. So Poppy, I wonder if it was different for you since you were only really going to Somerset for your training stroke learning part of the course. And uh, just to remind everybody that an apprenticeship has this 80-20 split where 80% of the time you're working, you're, you're doing your job, and then 20% of the time you're learning. Now, some apprenticeships will be that as one day a week, that's 20%. Some may do it as a block, as no doubt Poppy is about to tell us who, who also has done it in a block. So so Poppy, when you went to Somerset to do your kind of block placement for learning for your, your, your training side of things, did they give you accommodation since that was your, your study bit? Yeah, so my first year was full-time residential. Um, so I went down there um, and stayed at on a campus um, which everything was paid for. Um, so my accommodation was paid for, the travel was paid for, um, food, probably others that I've forgotten. But it was it was great. I didn't have to spend any money in my first year. So my first year was fully residential and I was put up. And then in my second and third year, I went for five weeks at a time. And during that time, I stayed at the same campus and the same principles applied. So I imagine then that all the other times when you're actually working at size well B, you got to find your own place. You got to pay your own bills. You got to pay your own rent. Yeah. But uh, I imagine. Well, you're you're still in your local area. So are you still living with your parents? 
Yeah, I still live at home, okay. but it's fine. <laughs> my parents say that um, I can save more money for my own house. So They really just want you to hang around. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Someone has to wash the dishes. Yeah. Oh, bless. We'd like to take a break just to ask you to help us with some feedback. We aim to raise higher education aspirations in as many young people as possible, so your feedback will be welcome. To do this at your own convenience, please visit tinyurl.com slash tyapod. If you missed that, not to worry, you can find the link in the description. Thank you. Now back to the podcast. Well, actually, that leads us quite nicely onto uh, what a typical week in your apprenticeship is like. So, Cerise, what goes on in the life for you at a week at work and on your apprenticeship? A typical week, is, there's no such thing, really. Um, but the way my scheme is um, is set up, so I have placements. Um, so it, they can range from about six months to a year. Um, and they're designed to help us tick off competencies that kind of go towards like our endpoint assessment. Um, so my, I'll kind of just briefly of the placements I've had. So I've kind of looked at procurement, um, like reporting, contract uh, delivery. So it's all very different. Um, but like at the moment, for example, the team I'm in is a lot of contract management. Um, so just like making sure that our supplier is adhering to the contract um, and like deliverables are getting achieved on time and just kind of supporting like the commercial manager and the project manager um, to ensure that everything's kind of going in the right direction, basically. So, yeah, I mean, obviously there's going to be different, um, there might be issues or whatever it's going to be. So you just tackle them as they come or whatever it's going to be. So, yeah, every, every, every week is different, basically. There's no... Uh, there's no week that's the same and obviously that depends what team you're in as well and what what they're focusing on or what that contract is so yeah all very different i think here it's worth mentioning that um that people listening young people listening have got to appreciate that you know jobs like your series are so so important they're they're no lesser than uh, what poppy does you know with nuclear engineering and I know this from experience because when I finished uh, being a high school teacher, I worked for the climate and energy sector and my job was education and working with the science. Um, but I could not do any of that if it wasn't for the project officers helping me out, that admin staff, the the social media team, the people making all the connections with all the scientists and stuff like that. So it's like, a, it's like jobs like yours, sorry, so like the oil that makes all the the cogs move seamlessly yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And um, Poppy, just because you're a nuclear engineer doesn't mean you don't have any paperwork. Oh, definitely. <laughs> um, so a typical week, again, isn't really a thing, but we start our days with a setting to work brief, um, which on an operating station is really important because plant is changing all the time. Um and so we start the day with that and with a daily safety message um, just to make ourselves aware of our surroundings and how we can keep ourselves safe and other people safe. Every day? You have that every day? Every day we have a, sa a different safety message. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it's really good to like get into the work spirit. Um, working from home is really difficult because I just rolled out of bed and I was at work, um, whereas having that brief kind of set you up for the day. So at the moment, we are 
Sizeable B are in a refueling outage, um, which is where we turn the reactor off um, so that we can put more fuel in and do essential maintenance that we can't do at power. Um, and so at the moment, we're getting ready to return to service. So I'm doing a lot of testing for that, um, making sure the plant is safe for when we come back online. Right. Okay. I'm learning something new as well. Even though I worked <laughs> with scientists in the, in the energy sector, I didn't realize you had to completely switch off the plant to do your maintenance. And uh, well, it, it kind of makes sense really now that I think about it. But um, I didn't realize that it was such of a, a process. And of course, you know, plants like Sizewell B and Hinkley Point C, etc., they all feed into the national grid for the entire country. And uh, what I do know from from my old job is that, of course, you have to manage the amount of power that goes into the grid and, say, match it up with the demand. So uh, you've got all this, what you call energy forecasting taking place and stuff like when is there going to be uh, peak power demands? You know, for example, five o'clock in the afternoon when everybody gets home and puts the kettle on and puts on the oven to make tea and all that kind of stuff. So I'm guessing you work very, very close with colleagues, say, who... Um, will tell you when you can switch the plant off to do your maintenance because you're certainly not going to want to do that during periods of high demand. No, exactly. We have to liaise with the national grid for how long we can stay off, when we're going to come back on. And Well, there you go, everybody. I bet you didn't know that, eh? <laughs> right, okay. So, obviously, when you're training and you're learning and you've got a bit of a challenge, there's something come up that you're still learning about and you need kind of support... You know, what, what kind of support do you both get? So, um, Cerise, you're tackling this part of the job, uh, you know, a new part of the job uh, when you're in training. So do you have a mentor, uh, what they like? Do you have someone to speak to? Do you go back and look at your notes from your the classes, the lessons? What what takes place? How do you get support? Um, so, I mean, we, we have a fair bit, to be fair. Um, so obviously... I have my career manager, which was going to, so that my scheme's five years long. So my career manager is, um, follows me over that, that five years, tracks my like, progression, or does all my yearly reviews, all that type of stuff. But obviously, they're also a commercial manager. So any questions I have in whatever placement I'm in, I can just go to them. Um, so I, I have that. I also have a mentor. So the, all, all the kind of the key support roles I have, they're all in the commercial um kind of sector in a way um they're all they're all commercially um <clears throat> based jobs that they have so any any query i have i can either go to like my career manager my mentor or to be fair just anyone that's in my direct team for the placement i'm in because even though for example like each placement is new you kind of get there you're like oh no new team i'm a bit scared like uh, can i ask this can i ask this everyone is I've learned everyone is more than willing to answer your questions and they they always say I mean even teachers say or whatever and everyone's like oh no they're just lying but honestly <laughs> no, no question is a stupid yeah, question seriously, like, honestly it's yeah like yeah they're not lying trust me um but then I sometimes feel like oh no I'm asking too many questions and everyone's like no like good ask questions it shows that you're engaged and that you want to learn so it's literally just my day-to-day -day team my career manager or my mentor, I can ask any one of them if it's like work related. So yeah, I mean, there's a, you could literally just go up to anyone in the office and just ask them a question and that, they wouldn't look at you and be like, I don't know you. They'd be like, yeah, sure, sit down. <laughs> Let's go through this together. Just like any other job, really. Exactly, exactly. So Poppy, what about you? What kind of support do you get? Yeah, exactly the same. Um, in this industry, everybody is so friendly um, and there's a culture where people aren't afraid to ask um, and people aren't afraid to give either 
Um, so I have my mentor, my line manager, my whole team. They were really lovely. And then on the apprenticeship side, um, I have, I don't really know what kind of title he has, um, but I have like reviews with him, which I think are like eight weekly. And that's just like checking up on me, how I'm doing, if I'm struggling with anything. And then also all the tutors at the uni are really, really nice as well. Cool. Right. Okay. Two last questions to ask you. Uh, they're really kind of more like introspective, kind of personalish questions. Um, Poppy, we'll start with you. Have you got a particular highlight of your apprenticeship, like uh, one day where you went home and you was like, oh, this was an amazing day or, or something you would never, never even think you'd get to experience? Okay, yeah, the industry is so niche, so like everything is really unique. Um, but there are two moments that stand out when you say that to me. Um, so I don't know if you or your listeners can picture the big white dome on the Suffolk coast. And that is where the reactor is. And during an outage, you can actually go inside the dome and see the oh, reactor. Wow. Um, and when I first saw it, I was like, is that it? <laughs> um, <laughs> It's, it's not as big as everyone thinks it is. It's only um, a few meters, well, I say a few meters, like 14 meters tall. But I was like, that's the reactor and it's producing all this all this energy. Um, so that was a pretty special moment. Um, and then I've also had placement um, with the operations staff in the control room. Um, and whilst I was there, we did some projects um, which are actually classified. Oh, so I can't okay. actually tell you, but... That was really fun for me. So I enjoyed seeing that and it was nice to see how other departments in the station work. Oh, wow, awesome. Well, I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anybody that there are some classified elements of a nuclear power station. Right, okay. So since many of our audience are probably based in East Anglia, as that's where uh, Nico operates. So next time you go to Southwold or maybe RSPB Minsmere and you look down the coast and you see a big white dome, that is Sizewell B, and soon there'll be Sizewell C there too. Right, okay, so Cerise, what is your memorable take so far? Um, I mean, I don't really have like a set, like a specific experience or day that I was like, oh, wow. But I, I mean, I've quite enjoyed like doing things that are outside of my day-to-day -day job that relate to like apprenticeships or just like kind of pr pr promoting them. So for example, so it was last year, so I got involved with, um, it was like a, it's called like STEM Amazing. So like STEM Amazing, like it was, it was an event um, for that, for International Women's Day. So it was um, like a little media campaign and it was women from all over in different backgrounds talking about kind of their, their job, like, their highlights and why people should um, consider like STEM roles and bits and pieces like that. Um, so getting involved in that. And then just like National Apprenticeship Week, I was involved in a couple of panels um, kind of talking about apprenticeships and why they're good and like careers fairs and bits like that. And I know it's like, oh, they might seem a bit boring, but it's just like, I feel like I enjoyed that because I feel like when I was, um, like the audience that they were all targeted to, I didn't really have that when I was going through this process. There's a lot of independent research for me. So it was quite nice to be able to like, be like, look, you have this option, you have this option, you have this route, you can do this, whatever it's going to be. So yeah, it was just nice to just be like, this is what I do and this is what you can do if you want to do it as well. But yeah, it was just, that's, that's, what, I, that's what I enjoy. Okay, so the final question for you both then. A few weeks ago, there was the release of the 
IPCC report. So that's the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report. Um, it was in the news a lot. Um, it was the latest scientific uh, evidence about how our climate is changing and the urgent need to do something about it. So in that respect, then, why do you both think that apprenticeships like yours is so important with regards to dealing with the climate crisis? Um, I mean, like like you said earlier, the the role that I do is um, it is key as well. So it does link everything in um, from all over. And like you said, you work with uh, everyone on the project. Um, so for me, I feel like the, the apprenticeship I'm in, even though you're not on site every day, um, you still be you're still able to get like a hands-on experience to like see that you are making a change because you are involved in the in the process of obviously the project and the construction and stuff um so i, th- I think that that's that's the main um the main the main reason i would say apprenticeships like mine are important even though they're like oh no it's not an engineering one or you're not on site all the time like i said you're still you're still vital to the process of it being constructed um and obviously, like as people may or may not know, um, HPC, the amount of CO2 that it's going to save is 9 million tonnes for every year it's in its operation, which is the 60-year span. This may be a well-known fact, I'm not sure. The nuclear industry has a slightly ageing, an ageing population, is that right to say? An ageing workforce. Yeah, that. Um, we're getting to the point where the people with all the knowledge are wanting to retire and so someone has to take on this knowledge to keep our plants running and to save all the emissions that would have been if the plant wasn't there and so I feel like that's how I contribute and why my apprenticeship is important. Absolutely and in the last episode um, you know we did acknowledge the fact that um, nuclear energy is a a controversial issue and it's it's up for a loaded debate and in some respects um, you know, it's very valid that it is. But what I would strongly recommend to every listener is, you know, do your independent research and listen to why those facts are important. And of course, if we're going to make the transition into renewables, uh, which would be the ideal future, we've got to have a way of producing low carbon electricity if we want to continue using energy like we do today. So, and yeah, I, I really do like that point, Poppy. You said, you know, we do need fresh young apprenticeship blood Um if you like, you know, ideas, motivation to come into the industry um, and to work with people who've got that experience, who've been here longer to coach and to mentor, you know, and it all comes around and we need the young people to take industries like this forward if we're going to collectively solve issues like the climate crisis. Okay, well, this has been absolutely awesome. And I just want to say to you both, thank you so, so much for spending the time with me this morning. And I've strongly believe that there's going to be plenty of young people listen to this that you have inspired so thank you so much thank you for hosting us i think we'll definitely both have a great time yeah definitely thank you for having us thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe to our future podcast at soundcloud.com slash take your place or on your favorite podcasting app you can also find us on instagram where we are at takeyourplace underscore he on twitter at takeyourplace he and on facebook at facebook.com slash takeyourplace he forward slash you can also email us with any questions requests or just let us know what you think on info at takeyourplace.ac.uk we very much welcome your feedback on this podcast episode 
This will also help us to raise higher education aspirations in as many young people as possible. To do this, please visit tinyurl.com forward slash tyapod. That's tinyurl.com forward slash tyapod. You can find the link also in the description.